Never. Mm. Mm. Am I boring you? What, dear? I said, am I boring you? Boring me? Oh, 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 oh that's a good one. I, I'm having the time of my life, dear. Hey, what did you say? A pig is climbing up the outside of the house. Yes, 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 I believe I do, yes. Welcome back to Disney Marvels for week of June 27th, 2021. This is episode 141. Disney Marvels, the show about Disney, Marvel, Lucasfilm, Muppets, Pixar, 20th Century, the parks, and much, much more. If it has to do with Disney, it's fair game. I'm your host, Matthew Graken. So this week's poll, I want to know what is your current favorite series on Disney Plus? What Particularly... What's just coming out? The new, the new stuff, the fresh stuff. The options being Loki, Bad Batch, High School Musical, The Musical, The Series, Zenmation. And on Twitter, I put this out on Twitter and on the Facebook groups to be able to spread around and get a better feel. Twitter 100% said Loki. Strangely enough, Facebook was almost the same thing. 100, almost 100% of everyone on Facebook said Loki. One person actually wrote in the Imagineering story. Not a current one, but we'll take it because it is on Disney Plus and it is a fantastic, fantastic series. Um, again, I, I say it, I say it again, and I'll, I'll keep saying it. Disney Plus, definitely one of the, your best values out there for the amount of content and the quality of content that you get. And the type of content. It, it is just, it is absolutely spectacular. Um, but everyone's loving Loki at the moment. I'm loving Loki. It is, uh, unfortunately, we only got a few more episodes left. We will see where we go from there. I don't know what they're going to throw at us next, but it has been spectacular. And, uh, you know, there will be a Loki series review coming shortly. Stay tuned for that one. And on that note, we'll be back after a message from our friends and sponsors. Well, hello there. I hope you're enjoying this week's episode of the Disney Marvels podcast. If you have a little bit of free time and you'd like to check out something a little bit different, I encourage you to listen to the chat Disney podcast. My name is Mercedes and I am one half of the Chat Disney podcast. Myself and my friend Tash are both based in the UK and we give a female British view on all things Disney from parks, movies and even more. Check out the Chat Disney podcast at chatdisney.co.uk. And now on with the show. Hey, how are you guys fixing to pay? What are our choices? A, credit card, B, cash, C, sneak out in the middle of the night. We'll pick C. Very popular choice. Forty years ago, on June 26, 
something significant happened. June 26, 1981. It wasn't a moon landing. It wasn't the space shuttle taking off. A movie that was so profound and had such an impact on people's lives was released. This was the greatest Muppet movie ever made. No, not the greatest Muppet movie ever made because that was not made. So hopefully one day you will see the light of day again. No, this is The Great Muppet Keeper. The Great Muppet Keeper came out June 26, 1981, to theaters, and arguably is the best Muppet movie ever made, directed by Jim Henson, starring all the zany people of the, the Muppet Company, and then some, uh, even friend of the show, Mike Quinn, was involved in it. This is uh, this is a fantastic show. It's, it's where they kind of really go in their own direction and speaking of going in his own direction i had to bring in the man <laughs> i love him who is a bear and a frog or is he a frog and a bear i can't tell if he's wearing a hat because the top of his head's got up <laughs> by the screen matt leonard is back to discuss the muppet anniversary how are you doing i'm good thanks for having me on this is one of my favorite movies one of my all-time favorite movies, movies. Period. That that we're talking movies of all genres, creations, and whatnots. Yeah. I, I don't blame you. That this <laughs> is this is a really well done movie. It's and um, you know it's, it's sort of what I was saying when when we did a few uh, the show uh, we talked about Muppet Vision a few weeks ago and I made this point. I said all great one of the great things about all I think like all the all the really great really great Muppet productions there's a rewatchability to it. It's very funny the first time you watch it, but if you obsessively watch it like I have 30, 40, 50 times, there's all these tiny little things that are slipped into the film, gags that you won't see the first time through. Um, but but you know, you'll catch them on the you'll catch them on the fifth or sixth show and go, oh my gosh, that's how did I how did I miss that? You know, there's some really funny stuff in there. Yeah, the, the more, and, and I, I say that's definitely a quality of the, at least the original Muppet work. Yeah. That the more you watch it, the more you pick up on nuances and things in the background and, and other stuff. And the more you that's, get out of it. That's kind of my argument with, out of the two new movies, why I like Most Wanted over just the Muppets. Because yeah. Most Wanted has some of that into some it that. where the more you watch it you realize that there's just a bunch of other stuff going on in the movie or in the yeah. background or things here and things there that i don't feel the muppet movie not the the original but the the more recent one um with amy adams and all them doesn't have that it, it's just what you see is what it is right and I remember sitting there in the theater expecting more out of it, seeing stuff in the background. And it's just like, okay, it's just presented. You know, here's the movie. Just right in front of you. That's it. And it, it just it didn't grab me as much. I mean, the music's good in it. You like seeing everyone get, you know, kind of getting the band back together type of feel. But it still felt, to me, not as much of a Muppet movie as... Most wanted. That felt like a Muppet movie because because of just everything else that goes on and um, the backgrounds and, and whatnot. Um, so th that again, th my argument. I keep on, you know, I'm an apologist for that movie 
<laughs> and I, I I will go down saying that I I do like that movie, as many people will berate me for. I won't berate you for that. I've got other reasons to berate you. Oh, that's fine. You you amongst others, but uh, we we won't go into that skeleton yet. No. So as so a traditional style, watch a movie together. Yes, let's watch a movie together. Okay. All right. We are both watching it on Disney Plus. We are started off at the zero zero segment. I'm I'm two seconds ahead of you, but that's okay. Wait, okay. Okay. I'm zero zero. All right. All right. And, we'll be, and everyone else who wants to join along, starting getting your Disney Plus setup or, or DVRs or VCRs or or VHS, VHS, uh, Laserdisc, uh, Betamax, whatever. And we'll be starting in three. Two, Two, one, press one, play. Fire! No, that's not fire. It's a streak of light. Oh, it's a streak of light. Oh, so it's, this, this is the uh, the Jim Henson Pictures logo from 1998, 99? 99, I think they did this. Yeah, this is I love it. the 90s. I missed, there used to be a slightly longer version of this where the camera broke a little bit and you heard Animal off camera go, sorry. And we open Let's right there with this great shot of Animal sort of a parody of the MGM lion, which I love. Yeah. Um, this is great. And as we talk about this, let's, I, I want to start talking about, talk about a little history here, which is that um, it's, we saw Lord Grade's name there and um, a Jim Henson film. Uh, uh, Lord Grade was the producer on the old Muppet show. Jim, it's much told that Jim tried to sell the show around to three different, to CBS, NBC, ABC. They all turned it down. Jim was doing a TV special with Julie uh, Julie Andrews in uh, in London, which Lord Grade was producing. He saw Jim and he's like, "Who is this guy?" and um, and they started talking about doing the Muppet Show, and that was how the Muppet Show started. As they got into year two or three of the Muppet Show, uh, you know, Jim had kind of conquered television. He would get done. He had been part of Sesame Street for Sesame had been on the air for about ten years. The Muppet Show had exploded and took over the world, and uh, and uh, there were Jim was starting to talk about he really wanted to get into movies and do movies. And Lord Grade got wind of this, and he said uh, he said I hear you want to make a movie, and Jim said Yeah, I'd I'd like to do uh, I've got a couple of things I'd like to do a movie with the Muppets, and I'd like to do I, I'd really like to do a dark feature, so sort of a dark creature film, uh, and. Lord Grade was very smart. He said, okay, I'll give you a deal. Gave him a deal for two Muppet movies and this dark fantasy film. And there was a, there was a real thought process here, which is that Jim would be, he would produce the first Muppet film. He would creatively produce it and he would star in it, but he was not to direct it. He wanted, Lord Grade was putting his money into this he wanted a director who knew what he was doing. So you got Jim Frawley, who was a, uh, worked on the, uh, the Monkees TV series in the 1960s. And then the second movie, which is what we're seeing here, is the first movie that Jim directed, The Great Muppet Caper. And then once Jim had learned the ins and outs of, of making movies using things that were familiar to him, which were the Muppets, then he was able to go from The Great Muppet Caper on to doing The Dark Crystal. So it was a very... Uh, at least from from Lord Grade's perspective, uh, there there was a there was a uh, sort of level up there. Mm -hmm. So let me just interject a bit of Muppet trivia for people as well. 
this balloon here, um, which can sometimes and sometimes not be seen at the Disney Hollywood Studios above the uh, great uh, Muppet Vision 3D. And there was a, uh, what was I about to say? Oh, uh, obviously, uh, Frank Frank Oz has talked about doing that opening shot with the, uh, the uh, where they're in the balloon. And sometimes it's done in a studio, when you see the characters are sometimes hand puppets and they're close up and it's in a studio. And in the wide shots, it's literally, you've got the hot air balloon with animatronic puppets in there. You've got Frank and Jim and Dave in a helicopter following along close by doing the doing the remote control the animatronics and then there's another couple of helicopters which are oh there's Richard Hunt uh, who plays Scooter and Janice um but anyway there's another um helico- couple of helicopters with video cameras or with movie Wait, cameras Richard wasn't in his uh, coveralls No he wasn't in his coveralls <laughs> Uh, but Frank has talked about doing that opening shot, and he said it was like one of the more dangerous things that they, he was fairly <laughs> convinced they were going to die. And then we'll talk later on. We'll talk about the one that that uh, Dave Goals said. I thought we were all going to die on this, uh, which is much later in the film. Uh, but this is a wonderful opening number. I love this That's number. Fantastic. I always thought it was interesting that none of the cars have windshields. <laughs> and uh, all the music here is by uh, Joe Raposo. Oh, keep your eye out on this guy here. Yep. This clever character. Charles Grodin, who recently passed. Um, and uh, But all the music here is written by Joe Raposo, who, who wrote uh, Be in Green and the Sesame Street theme song and, and hundreds of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds sing uh, tons of songs for Sesame Street and then supplied all the music here for, uh, for the Great Muppet Caper. And this is one of my favorite soundtracks, too. You know, Jim Jim had a real ear for music, and he had a great sense for. I mean, you look at the the composers that he worked with: Paul Williams, Jeff Moss, Joe Raposo. Just just uh, all enhanced the spirit of these characters. Yeah. Here we go. And uh, <laughs> the monsters driving the fr- driving the car. I love that. Uh, and this great, uh, this great opening. There are a few Muppeteer cameos in this, as there are in a lot of the the early Muppet films. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw Richard, we saw Richard Hunt driving the car, and in just a minute, if you look really quickly, you're gonna see, you're gonna see uh, Frank Oz sort of slipped into this film. This is a great scene here. Every time he bangs his his fist, they <laughs> yeah. all jump up. Uh, what else can we say? But see, I feel I'm, I'm sorry. This is horrible. This is one of my favorite movies, so I'm not really talking to you. I'm just kind of watching the film. You're enjoying it. <laughs> Jewel has the express. The thing but is, the Jewel, what's that? I was gonna say the funny thing is that the you know, the Jewel Heights is supposed to take place in London, but all the license plates were for New York. <laughs> I had never noticed that. No, I. Well, they, that's the thing. No, it doesn't. They never say it takes place in London. It just says the fa- the fashion queen of London robbed. Nah. This this is actually in. So yes, they are in New York. Although that doesn't look anything. That set they were on didn't look anything like New York. But they're because they're in the United States now, talking to the uh, talking to him, and then they fly to London later on. So the New York license plates make sense, kind of. Okay. Gonzo hanging from... This is a great... 
But I want to talk about this first. <laughs> this is so nonsensical. There is no part of this that makes sense. <laughs> but uh, but I love this bit here where he pulls out, I mean, this is devotion to a gag. Wait, he pulls out their uh, the, picture. this picture here. Look at that. They had the workshop build that. This puppet was never used for anything. I don't think it's actually a puppet. It's probably just a standee. No, the, the resources and time and materials to just building that thing for this gag. I mean, they probably didn't, they didn't have to pattern it much. You just had to dye Fozzie Bear's... You know, you just had to use a Fozzie Bear puppet. Uh, yeah, a Fozzie Bear pattern and then dye the fur to match Kermit. But still, that's the resources and time it took just to do that gag. And then threw the collar on, too. Yeah. And then I love the, the I mean, just the, the flash on Gonzo's camera. This kind of attention to detail is just great. But we're coming to, Frank is going to show up in just a second here. Just any minute now. Any, yeah, right, hat, okay. And he goes in, and we cut to Gonzo, and just this gentleman here to the left in the blue shirt, that's Frank Oz with a wig. I was going to say, that's not his hairstyle. No, it's he's got a little, he's got a cheap wig on there, but that is Frank Oz there. Slipped into the movie, and we'll see Jim Henson and Jerry Nelson much, much later in the film. Jerry, you can't miss. Jim's pretty obvious, too. Richard and, uh, and Frank are the two, uh, the two that are really snuck in. I love this gag here, frog bear, and this is this is the kind of thing that like you might not get on the first viewing, uh, where they're they're in the and there's Fozzie and his says bear, and then the second Kermit will turn his light on, and you can see that his his box is clearly marked frog, oh. there it is, and then we'll cut to to Gonzo, and uh, Gonzo's box is marked whatever. I mean, this kind of stuff. And not only is it marked whatever, he actually has a television. Yeah, right, right, right. This gag here, throwing him at the... It's an odd film because it's the... I mean, like, we're like, the Muppet movie just had tons and tons of cameo guests. There are cameos in this, but there are all these... Largely, you know, like you're going to see Robert Morley in a second, who was a well-known British character actor, but he was he was much bigger in London than he was here. Uh, we just had I can't I'm blanking on the other. There's Robert Morley. Um, and who was the guy we just saw? The, the Mr. Tarkanian was somebody Jack. I'm blanking on his last name. But he was a, he was an American character actor who's done a lot of stuff. I know he was in While You Were Sleeping with Sandra Bullock. And Bill Pullman. But I can't remember. Jack something. Well, of course, you have a lot of London people or English uh, actors because of or British. Because most of Jim's work was done in. Done in, in, in England, England, yeah. And, those are, and, th and this is a trick that the Muppets used frequently where the close-up hand puppet. And then the, the wide shot the This one you can't have configured because Kermit's movements are a little... Yeah, yeah, off. yeah. And that was a trick that... Jim had a, a similar trick that he had years... That he had used years before in... Um, 
when he did the Muppet Musicians of Bremen, the there were these there were four villains, uh, and they were costume characters, and in wide shots they'd be costumes, and then you'd do close-ups, and it would be a hand puppet of the it, you'd just have the head of the character, and it would be a hand puppet. There's one beautiful shots of London here in the big red bus, and I love this 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 score. Wonderful. A lot of stuff here. I'm sure a lot of this is just Jim and Frank and Dave riffing. Particularly Jim and Frank. I mean, Jim and Frank were so good at this kind of just this interplay that's uh, nothing. <laughs> I mean, it's so so silly, it's so off the cuff. Uh, uh, Again, we're gonna start catching the running gag. Yeah. Toss them out. It was about the Kermit's hat or part of the camera that broke. Kermit's hat, I think. Cheap side. And we see the the bus, the city. But this is just, I love love this. I just love this. This is a great, uh, great number coming up. And I think this is, I think one of the reasons I love this film so much is that, like, there are so many characters who you don't typically see in Muppet productions, like Pops. Pops this This is such a great character. I loved Pops. He was introduced in the fifth season of The Muppet Show as a new way to open the show. Somebody's checking in. Bang, there we go. Great music. Pops was, he was brought in as a new way to... You always thought that one looked like Jim, that one puppet there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jim usually puppeteered that character. Um, You know, uh, what was I saying? Pops, rather than have, you'd always have Scooter knocking at the dressing room door, and this was the guest star coming into the theater, and Pops would greet them. And there'd be a little bit of business. He was very rarely used. I think he only had one. He showed up a couple of times on the show outside of that. It was always a character like it, it's such a fantastic puppet. It's such a fantastic puppet. And Jerry has such a great character here. There's Gaffer, the cat. For those of you who are wondering, like, the cat does have a name. It's Gaffer. Um you know, so this is one of the few films you see, you really see Pops in. This is really kind of, again, Rizzo was the fifth season of The Muppet Show, and this is really his kind of breakout role. And just all these other characters, you know, there's uh, Rolf, you know, and uh, that's the one movie where the characters just, <laughs> to me, the characters just look, the, I mean, just look at that, this fantastic puppetry there. I still don't know how they did that. There's Floyd, Bunsen and Beaker, yeah. and the chef. There's the jug band, oh. Zoot, Annie Sue, Lou Zealand. Yeah. Just to have all of these characters. I mean, Rizzo's just a simple little rod puppet at that point. Whoop, coming this is, That's uh, basically before um, Leslie took her over. Uh, Leslie never, no, Leslie had a different character. Oh, uh, okay. and, uh, Louise Gold always played Annie Sue. Uh, Leslie played uh, Spamela, Spamela Hamderson. That's on, it. That's uh, it. On Muppets Tonight, and there goes Lips. One of the, I think this is like one of the few film appearances of Lips. And actually, not only is it one of the few film appearances of Lips, if you're really eagle-eared, you don't even see him, but eagle-eared later on in the film, 
it's the only speaking line that Lips has in any production. What? He's singing here. Uh, he doesn't really... He doesn't really sing to... I mean, yeah, he sings as part of the group, but later on, he actually does have, like, one line if there you're is. listening for it. There's... God, that's such a beautiful puppet. And the, the characters just, for me, they look the best, and they just seem the most real to me here. I mean, in this film... You know, well, they they uh, got uh, one movie under their belt, and they're able to cut loose a little bit more in this. Yeah, I mean, but they, uh, you know, they're they're in this movie. They're driving cars. They're riding bicycles. They're I'll 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 give you an ultimate example of that a little later on. Just climbing sides of buildings. They're climbing buildings. I mean, they're in hot air balloons. They're swimming. I mean. There's just so much going on, and then just I always love these these sort of crowd shots. Where you have all the characters here. And here comes the band coming over. This to me is like the ultimate Muppet number. It's it's this is the most Muppety number in any Muppet movie. It's the most Muppety song. It's so great about how swap out all the eyes. Uh, it's this whole song that this idea that like things are okay even as they're falling apart, which is just such a a sort of Muppety theme to me. Mm-hmm. And of course, we put, a, we put a hat on Rizzo so that we can distinguish him from the others, uh, which I believe was, was actually built by uh, Melissa Whitmire, built by Steve's wife, um, because the, the character, it was just, it was, a, it was a, a puppet that was, actually, it was a puppet that was left over from the production I was talking about before, Muppets, uh, Musicians of Bremen, uh, Don Celine had built all of these rat puppets and they had these rat puppets around and Steve picked one out that he really liked and started doing stuff in the background of the Muppet show with it uh, just to sort of get laughs and, and get attention and uh, his his wife started making clothes for the, char- for the puppet and the next thing they know they had a character <laughs> <laughs> so this is I think this is probably the first time that Rizzo is referred to as Rizzo the Rat. I don't I don't remember if they ever actually mentioned Rizzo on in uh, in the Muppet Show by name in the Muppet Show itself, but uh, I have to I have to go back to that season and check it out because I, yeah, I don't was, remember it's the it. But... He appears, but I think he's really kind of at that point just kind of. This is another scene where if you if you you know watch really watch what she's doing, listen to what she's saying. They're just dragging the, you know, there are no Muppets in this, and so you'd think it's kind of dull. But pay attention, there's some great comedy going on in here. Some of her comments about the, the fashion, dresses. you know, where she's just throwing ink on a dress and everyone's loving it, and everybody applauds it. You know, yeah. Just cuts the the model's hair. Yeah. Right, right, because the model's hair will have something to do with the dress. Yeah. Know. Right. Uh, and there's a very subtle thing here where he refers, she refers to one of the, she says the the model looks like a turkey. In a little bit, Gonzo's going to get off the elevator and, and uh, he looks, takes one look at the model and goes, ooh, hubba hubba. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a very subtle throwback to Gonzo's, Gonzo's uh, obsession with, with the, uh, uh, chickens. Yeah. yeah. And this, this to me, uh, there was a thing recently on uh, the internet. Somebody had asked, you know, what's your favorite, what's your favorite Miss Piggy look or or style? And for me, 
it was this. This is just, again, the puppets look so good. Look at that. It's a fantastic suit. For You're her. drooling over the felt again. I'm, yeah, I know. Well, no, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not drooling over the felt. I'm admiring the costume design. This is all, I think, Polly Smith's doing. Polly Smith was the, I did most of the costume design. For this. this is a great subtle gag here where she's modeling, but if you look at every page, I was in high school. I'd been, I'd watched this movie so many, it's the same pose. It's the same pose every time, no matter same, what she's doing. The same with. facial. I was, I had watched this film probably about a hundred times before I finally got that gag. <laughs> That's how sad I am. <laughs> you know. <laughs> like I, can, I will accept nothing less. I can offer you a job as a receptionist, and she freaks out, and I can, okay. I, love, I can take, I can take shorthand. <laughs> so Diana Rigg is fantastic here. Uh, what's, what, what I love about this, I mean, Diana Riggs' performance here is so good because she's doing some very, she plays, she, she's fantastic. What she's doing here is fantastic because she's not, she's doing comedy material. She's got really good comedy lines. She doesn't deliver one line as a comedic line. She plays it completely straight. She This whole character's thought process, she doesn't try to one-up she doesn't try to upstage the Muppets at all. She lets them have their movie. She lets this be their movie. She is a supporting player to them. And she does her character, and she delivers and I, I it this with such here. a Why are you telling me face. I love this. Why are you telling me all this? It's plot exposition. It has to go somewhere. It's so matter-of-factly done. She doesn't, she doesn't, even for that line, she doesn't break character, even though she's breaking the fourth wall. And she's I mean, not trying to sell is, to the audience. She's just putting it out there. I know. She's she's this is just fantastic comedic performance without being a comedic performance. And and really one of my favorite actors to watch against the Muppets. Although she's she's most I think she only ever interacts with Piggy. I mean that's it's great. It's great that she doesn't she doesn't overact it. Nowadays you put a comedian you know, this is, here we go, Gonzo's, oh, it's actually it's the one who looks like an ostrich. Um, <laughs> but it, to, to sort of, to go back to what you were saying earlier about Muppets Most Wanted, I mean, you've got you've got comedic actors like Tina Fey uh, or Ricky Gervais, and I, while I like both of them, they play, their comedic actors play in comedy. You know, right. they, they, they try to, they try to get the laugh instead of letting the Muppets, you know, um, Michael Caine was great because he he openly said he said I'm not treating this any differently. I am going to treat this. I am I am part of a, a repertoire company. You you guys are the best repertoire company of all time. I'm just going to play this as uh, as Ebenezer Scrooge. I'm not going to play it for laughs, and that's why Michael Caine is so good. Tim Curry is a uh, Tim Curry in Treasure Island is a little bit different because uh, that's Tim Curry. Um, mm-hmm. But he, you know, he also walks a fine line. He doesn't upstage them. He's just he just goes in and gives a very Tim Curry performance. Tim Curry's so dynamic. But this is great. What do you think about the drips? And I love this. The look on her face, you know, that that, that pulled in snout. Yeah. <clears throat> this is just. <laughs> and then the 
classic 1930s kind of stars in their eyes. Oh, it's you. <laughs> stars in their eyes and uh, and the, the... Here we go. Star, there's the stars Twinkle. in their eyes. Twinkle in the eye. Oh, and then the, the birds. birds. This is great. This is all just fantastic. Sort of 1950s musical tropes that they're... Quite graceful. <laughs> right. You love Kermit. His that's a, a nice fall. Quite graceful. You know, he, he, Kermit, if nothing else, is charming. Yes. And Piggy wheels this into a date with Kermit. This is great. Only Piggy would be able to manipulate this. I'm good. It's funny. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about things. I, I, I like. I like. Oh, I gotta wait. We get to this scene. I want to talk about that. And we get to the scene. I want to talk about because there's so much in this film that I love. Jim and Frank are just so good here. I mean, everything they do. This. Uh, I. I really do hope people who are listening to this are watching the movie along. Otherwise, this is this really does just become a uh, podcast. Two guys watching a movie. Uh, that's kind of the point. That's kind of, you know, I think we've gone to, you know, that you got to watch along. <laughs> this is this is great, this stuff where he's, you know, what's, what's funny is, what's great is this, this is sort of a mentalist thing to do where you're, you're sort of, you know, yes, that is the answer. I, you know, you sort of force people to, I'm, I'm thinking of a number between one and three, two. Yes, exactly. You know, that kind of it's highbrow street somewhere. But even, I mean, even the name there, Highbrow Street, it's such a great, it's such a gag name. Yeah. That you just use it, you know. Highbrow, <laughs> oh, of course. Nothing. It's just highbrows, you know. Look at that, Kermit kind of doughy-eyed a little bit. <laughs> the doorman puts Gonzo's nose back to. Back into place. Oh, yeah, he'd been riding the elevator with it. Yeah. Well, there's another example, just the, the term determination. I mean, Gonzo's, Gonzo puppets, it's, that nose, it's, it, it, Gonzo is one of the harder puppets for them to make. And because, particularly because of the nose, that's, that's oh, yeah, carved like this part. And Gonzo yet, get a taxi, and of course, what taxi would it be? Guard. And look at the license plate here when you cut to the, the close-up of Gonzo. Bo 676. Bo's name is on the taxi. But uh, I was talking about the, the... There's a 30-second shot there where Gonzo pulls his nose out of the elevator. That's a puppet you've got to... They, they built a special Gonzo puppet for that gag. I mean, again, it's just that, that sort of devotion to, uh, you know, sp spending your resources on that. Uh, this whole uh, this is another one of those segments I wonder how much is written and how much is Jim Frank and Dave <laughs> <All right. laughs> and uh, sometimes here no didn't uh, didn't Mike Quinn say isn't he in the backseat of this isn't he 
I thought he talked about this with us. Yeah, I don't he talked about. I want to try, Is it this part or another taxi part? But yeah, he's the one in the back on these he's wide got shots. Gonzo, I think. And then, uh, and then there's a for these wide shots here. There's actually a uh, a stunt driver wearing a Beauregard mask. Yep. And, and this Mike's was like, in the back, wrong. moving the uh, taking care of the puppet work of the, yeah. the three in the back. And for a while, the taxi cab was in. Uh, was it Muppets? Uh, was it? Um, it was in the queue for the great. No, not the great movie ride. What's the other? What was the behind the stage studio tour when they used to have that? Yes. Uh, you could the the taxi cab was there. I remember my it was wife in the and boneyard. I, yeah, my wife and I were were waiting in line for that back in two thousand. We were on vacation in Disney World. And uh, man, you could have just about scraped me off the floor when we turned the corner and saw Bo's taxi. We had to look in. You saw the seats were removed. There was cardboard on the floor. Right. <laughs> I always love Bo Regard. It's just like, oh, okay. It's such a fan. Bo is one of my favorite puppets. He's a great character, but he's just my favorite puppet. Dave's manipulation here, that eyebrow mechanism, the, the, the thinking that goes that. You know, you can see both thinking. Well in the soup, in the pasta. <laughs> and Pop's line. Steering wheels to play. And I, I like the fact that he says again. steering wheels to play again. <laughs> again. Because <laughs> it's not the first time it's happened. Don't tell, don't tell Jerry, but Kermit's got a date with Lady Holiday. Yeah, what magazine is that that yeah. Janice is reading? Oh, I didn't even realize Chef has a tread mark across tread the mark on the. Well, even as the, as the car goes through, you can see all sorts of stuff going on in the kitchen. All the great <laughs> characters here. It won't go outside this room. And there's the news. I mean, this news is one of this is the only movie where, like, the newsman has a line. It's the only movie where, like, Louis Kazagger has a line. You know. Guns are taking pictures of the pigeons. Again, no glass in the window. <laughs> yeah, and again, the characters are so real to be Kermit's shaving. shaving. And they even and they even make a gag about the fact that like I don't I wish I had whiskers. Of course, then I'd have to use a blade. <laughs> you know, a frog doesn't need to shave. Frogs don't have facial hair. <laughs> Jim and Kermit are so good here. And then Frank's performance, just so heartbreaking when he realizes that he's, you know, he's, he's going to leave me behind. Yeah. Well, I have to use a blade. Oh. Uh. One of my favorite. I will. I will. Anytime I have to get like dandied up for something, and I've got to shave, I'll start singing this song because it's a great song. Um, yeah. And it, this is this is one of those numbers where the characters become very. I mean, look at Kermit adjusts his tie, not very effectively, but he he shaves it. The scene, and then watch some of the stuff that he does. This is this is where I say the characters for me are just the most real. <laughs> Well, I don't want to step back right before the song starts, and Fozzie's looking at Kermit, and he takes the towel and wipes the rest of the, the, the rest of it off foam the off of him. And just the way that he does it. 
But then look at this. This is such a great effect. Look at this. We're putting the pants on. One leg at a time. There we go. Oh, this is fantastic. And then this gag with Gonzo <laughs> turning his legs. We've seen Kermit naked Gonzo. <laughs> you know. And then he zips his fly up. I mean, this is this is just fantastic. And this full body shot. Look at this. How are they doing this? He's just totally there off on his own. I don't it know if he's... flies a, across. I mean, that's just... This is fantastic puppetry here. This character is just... Kermit totally exists and is real here. And then he tap dances. And this was a favorite Jim Henson thing to do. Kermit tap dancing, but you never see his feet. Yeah. Was... Uh, they they employed... I think the happy feet was the first time they did that. But Jim loved that gag. Jim loved the fact... The idea of Kermit tap dancing and you never see his feet. And they throw up uh, the shadow. This bit here with the shadow, this is fantastic. Amazing puppetry. And then you, you can see Gonzo's reflection in the mirror there. Nothing, nothing here is wasted. Boom! Look at that. At no point does he change the, the bulb in his camera. Well, you never see him change the bulb on his camera. But, uh... That's what? My dreams come true. And then this is just so Fred Astaire here, the three together. Yeah. This is straight out of Robin and the Seven Hoods. There's a chamber pot in the back. <laughs> Which one are you? Which one are you? <laughs> or one's in a suit. Um, I am not entirely unconvinced that that's not Frank Oz ad-libbing. But, and, and then his, his reaction, his reaction's all here. The hurt and the pain. Oh, there's that sign. I Go back and watch, read that sign. There's something funny on that sign. I meant to... I, I can't remember what it is. Uh, the Highbrow Street says something funny, too. There's a whole bunch of... I'm on this a camera. I'm on my, on my bigger screen TV. Yeah, I'm watching this on my cell phone, so I can't see all the the signs and stuff. But uh, we're gonna, you're gonna, I'm gonna turn the show over to you in a minute because I'm gonna let you talk about one of your favorite British TV shows, <laughs> and I think you know why. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Two cameos. Double the the double header, because you got one of probably probably the biggest comedian in British history. Here we go, John Cleese, John the Cleese. great John Cleese. And I don't remember her name. <laughs> I remember the part she played. I don't remember right. the actress's name. Well, let's 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 talk about uh, let's talk about. The, I mean, John Cleese, who's famous for Monty Python, and what was that other thing that he did? What was that other show he was on? Um, uh, I don't know. There was always I'm, something faulty about it. Yeah, I'm I'm feeding you here. Go ahead and show off a little bit. Just John Cleese, Monty Python, and Faulty Towers. Faulty Towers, and his wife here is. We can't remember the actress's name because we're terrible at our jobs. But what what do we know her from? Faulty Towers. Faulty Towers. Probably probably one of the funniest episodes of Faulty Towers, in my opinion. Absolutely, she plays 
that season? I think that was season one. And they had done they had done Faulty Towers together at this point. They knew each other, right? Yes, this would be yeah because Faulty Towers was uh, seventy seventy five. Uh, so she was season two. So she would have been, um, yep, yep, season two, February 1979. Uh, so two years beforehand. Yeah. The episode communication problems. Right. What's the, uh, we're, we're both going for it. What's her, what's her name? Joan Sanderson. Yes, there we go. I knew it was Mrs. Alice Richards in uh, Faulty Towers. And this whole exchange between them is so great. I mean, all this stuff about how boring their lives are. Because they have so much. Yeah. And and again, you know, this is this is the this is how good John Cleese is. This is John Cleese, who's one of those brilliant British comedians ever. I mean, probably the number one. And he's and he again doesn't do He's not playing this for comedy. He's done so much funny stuff to do here, and he just he just plays it completely as straight, just as stuffy as he possibly can. He knows exactly how to be funny in this by not being funny. The less funny he is, the funnier it the scene is. He's so right. good it's, at this. He's completely <laughs> mocking aristocracy. If I were bored, I'd go out and buy something. A jar of Carl's foot jelly. <laughs> I'd like to come with you and help you pick one out. How poor she is. No need for that. The weather's been terrible. And she doesn't react. It's just like, That's oh, great. Yes. This is, I mean, just look at this. Oh, my gosh. And they're totally... And the fact that he's... Boring. The conversation... <laughs> They're so bored with each other. They're not even listening to each other. They <laughs> the don't even realize that the doorbell. Don't know what to do with the doorbell rings? Well, what do you do with the doorbell rings? <laughs> it's the doorbell. That's it. it. He doesn't even. He, we we skipped over, but he doesn't even react to the fact that they they talk about how boring their lives are, and then you have said there's a pig climbing up the outside of the house. I mean, just totally ignoring that. <laughs> well, the brother so gave the puppy the day off. Oh, he's still happens, sitting there. You know, this is great. Biggie's uh, just lo- sitting there behind the. Oh, Andrew. <laughs> well, so the, the pets are dead. The, no, the but no, no, no. The pets are dead. The butler's been discharged. <laughs> this is fantastic. I thought you said the pets were dead. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. This is fantastic. Oh gosh. <laughs> One of my favorite scenes in the film, and that again is, you know, when I was four years old watching this, that the fact that that was funny never entered into my head, and it wasn't until I got much older and and aware of things, I'm like, you know, you really start paying attention to everything that's going on there. And you see John getting up, walking over, he doesn't look at them at first. Yeah. This is great. I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of this is Frank just riffing whoop, and pulling Jim. <laughs> and this is just John. I mean, John. John's so good. He's just a master of his craft. He gets the fire using, using his craft to his physicality, his height, 
Yeah, he looks at all the places that they're not. But this is this is the great thing is the characters are so low and John is so tall that he really does have to you know, do this sneak and he uses it. I mean, he just uses it to great comedic advantage. And again, to be a proper gentleman. (laughs) (laughs) This is fantastic stuff here. Wonderful. This is out of Faulty Towers, too. What's this? Thank you, Jeeves. <laughs> Look at the clothes. Really big. The one that was climbing up the outside of the house? Yeah, that's the chap. That's the chap. He's just in there with the lizard. <laughs> It was. That's more of a supper club. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (sighs) But that's also a bit out of, um, I think, out of Faulty Towers, too, where there was a a restaurant exchange. Well, they got this and that, but that's more of a supper club. I wonder how much of that was was also Cleese ab-living. Lips has a line here. How about a little, uh, he says, how about a little traveling music as they get started? Yeah, there you go. If you were listening, there's Lips's only line ever spoken. And, and I uh, talked right over it. Yeah, we did. But, uh, and now and now we will we'll throw back to an episode of the Disney Marvels podcast. This is the first puppetry work of Mike Quinn, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. Everybody. Everyone on the bus. Everybody on the bus. No, oh, that maybe that was the thing. Was it wasn't? Maybe this is where he's in the. No, he told no, us he, where he, he was. did. I remember him talking about the taxi. Yeah, is this is he in the taxi here? I thought he was in the bus. Uh, I think he did the bus as well. He was involved th- in a number of bit parts. Um, but I remember him talking about how you know being involved in the taxi ride and how that all. Uh, yeah, I think he's in the taxi in the main scene, and I think here he told us who he is here, but I don't remember who he is. Well, for anyone who's interested, go back to episode 85, Conversations with Mike Quinn, and you can hear his whole story about this fantastic movie there. Right. Oh, no, because the, the cab isn't, the taxi isn't following, although the taxi follows them later on in the film. So yeah, he'd be he's in the he's in the bus. Yeah, the taxi they they take the bus and the taxi to the uh, the Mallory Gallery later. Look how great the characters look there. Uh, I'll try to, you know, of course, the gag of the name of the restaurant Cleese mentioned. The Dubonnet Club. Classy place like this, you'd think they have pretzels on the table. This is... <laughs> Gonzo and Fozzie is their third wheel. 
the menu, the prices on the menu, and Gonzo is going to pay for it. This is this is fantastic. <laughs> uh, we do have a Muppet Performer cameo here coming up there he is Jim Henson and there's uh, Calista Hendrickson who was head of the, the London workshop at the time but there's the film's director ladies and gentlemen yeah. Actually, it's an interesting. It's an interesting fun fact is that in all three of the original Jim Henson Muppet movies, in the original Muppet movie, in the Great Muppet Caper, and in the Muppet Take Manhattan, all all three directors appear in the film. Uh, Jim Frawley is a is a waiter at the El Slizo Cabet, uh, Cafe in the first movie. Jim's here in the Dubonnet Club, and Frank is a executive for Ocean Breeze Soap during the uh, the montage where they're out searching for Kermit. So. And here is the appearance of uh, 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 Charles Grodin as uh, as uh, uh, Nikki Holiday, who we recently lost. Yeah. I think this guy's a relatively well-known British comedic actor as well. Not not like well, but like a, a like a character actor. I think he's got like a bit parts in a bunch of things, maybe. Because I feel like I've seen him in other things. I'm sure we have. This is this is great. This is. I think I remember you're watching these two puppets dance, and you got there's two grown men underneath there making this happen, and you've got all these dancers around. Trying not to fall in a pit on the floor. <laughs> he's, oh, here's one of your a line that you use often. Uh, do I use this one? Yeah. Put enough sugar in his. It's just like ginger ale. I think I have said that. Yeah. But it's also one of my favorite lines. Now, were they using the scooters then, or are they just let, laying on the I ground? I believe, I don't know, I believe there is a hole in the ground for them. That's an elevated I, set. I believe it's an elevated set and they're, they're in the floor. I believe. Charles Grodin's playing it a little big here, but that's good. And then of course we've the gross of colored flowered socks, so oh. we, which we established earlier. You know he's playing it a little, a little big, but that's okay because he's the film's villain. Yeah. And notice the license plate here, which is Nikki Four, because it's the it's obviously the 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 bad guys. Yep. And it's the four of them. The right. Three, three, models, three and models and and Charles Grodin. Oh, that's interesting. 
the guy whose wife isn't feeling very well is actually now having dinner with somebody else. He was dancing, <laughs> I think, with somebody else, too. Really? <laughs> See, that makes me appreciate that character even more. <laughs> I think it was the same guy. It had very similar facial features. He was definitely da- eating dinner with somebody else there. Uh, this is a this is a beautiful song. I love this song. There's a, there's a line later on where he says the uh, the first time it happens, no, uh, I can't remember which line. There's no magical change, no just uh, there's there's a sign where uh, so, there, so the first time it happens, so simple, so rare, and just when you thought you'd forgot how to care, and though you feel much more than you dare to know, the first time it happens, you know. Such a beautiful sentiment. Such a beautiful lyric. Straight out of the straight out of Joe Raposo, uh, Joe Raposo. I mean, and this is my one complaint about the film, which I've only sort of recently become aware of watching it with my my son, is that right about here the film does particularly musically the the film kind of slows down a little bit. You've got a, a slow musical number, which is this, followed by another slow musical number. I mean, it, this picks up in a minute, but this is really kind of slow here. And then your next musical number is the bicycle scene, which is beautiful to look at and amazing and a technical wonder. But everyone feels like Fozzie. It's a very slow musical number. And then and then you've got the the uh, the 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 underwater ballet, which, again, is a technical achievement and beautiful to look at. But it's a very slow musical number. And and I just I, I wouldn't cut any one of these numbers. And yet one of these numbers, particularly either the bicycles or the uh, or the underwater ballet needs to be a bit more. You need something up tempo there because the film, while I love it it slows down and I had, when I tried to introduce this sh- movie to my son twice now, I'd get to write about the bicycle scene and I'd lose him. He just, he, he couldn't sit through it. But, uh, well, it, a number of movies, I think from that time period <laughs> have a, a similar, um, segments to them. Yeah. 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 So it, it's kind of a product of its time in that aspect. Bit of a hand. I mean, the puppetry here is just what Frank's got to do. <laughs> if you watch that, like, this stuff here, the, the, the handoffs here from one to the next to the next to the next. Yeah, Frank is definitely standing up at this point because there's no way you're doing this on a cart. And right into the arms of our villain. Oh, I just noticed his, his shirt matches his socks. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. That's how tacky Nikki Holiday is. And then this is great, the tap dance. I love this transition here with this wide shot. Again, you know, just all in the service of making the characters appear real. Boom. And then you've got... But you don't actually, again, oh, now you're seeing... Hey, well, but it, well, there you go. I mean, you've got what is clearly... You do a transition there that's so seamless and so flawless from Frank puppeteering to what is obviously a tap dancer in Miss Piggy legs. But you, you do that transition so flawlessly that just adds to the believability of this character. And again, the costume here, Piggy looks just fantastic. And I hate to be the guy who had to jump over. Over. I think that every time I watch this movie, these two guys who are doing flips 
Yeah, you're right. And the one who who flips directly over here. Look at that. Boom. Big musical number. This is great stuff. This is great stuff. Oh, and now the villains are going to be villainous. Ooh, there it goes. And the handoff, the picture, plot point. Expose. She screamed right into my ear. Was, what do you want me to do? I spelled ketchup on my commer bun. Which... <laughs> And the realization that Miss Piggy is not Lady Holiday. And we go into another one of my favorite scenes. But again, this is, you know, well, and the, you know the, you're talking about sort of very quiet comedy. You know, that stuff with uh, John Cleese and uh, 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 Joan Sanderson is all very, very funny. But it's very slow, subtle comedy. It's not big pie-in-your-face kind of comedy. And you get another scene. the Cinderella here. moment. And you got the Cinderella moment, you know, and now we get to the scene in the uh, where they're developing the pictures. Look piggy walking down the street, so that you just totally believe in these characters. Anything that just, you know, this is all very funny, but this is very, like I say, it's not it's not high energy comedy. It's it's very slow. This scene on its own is hysterically funny. Uh, this scene strung with two or three other similar, very slow, you know, character comedy bits. The, the, the film does drag a little bit. Um, it's not the fastest pace. No, no. I mean, it, and yet it's still one of my favorite Muppet films. Because this whole conversation between the three of them, I mean, just Jim, Frank, and Dave all at the top of their game. I actually love this. I don't know how they do this. Where Gonzo is, you know, again, if you stop and think about Gonzo, well, we missed it, but he puts he he puts the thing in there. He doesn't have control rods. How are you doing that? I mean, that's that's not easy to do with a puppet. No. There's there's a real exactness to what uh, Dave was just doing. There's a rubber ducky in a bathtub. Yeah. You can't rock into this stuff here with you can't pat your head and rub your stomach at the same time. This is all very silly. And the Muppets beating down the door outside. We've got their hands in the cookie jar. Boom, and the characters Ooh, come in. Everyone comes in, lets the light in. Of course, this would be lost on most people nowadays. Right. About most developing film and exposing it to light. And our fourth and final puppeteer cameo coming along, Jerry Nelson and his daughter, Christine. There's a famous of Pops, Lou Zealand, Floyd Pepper, his daughter, Christine, who passed shortly after the film was made. Uh, she was she, release. She was quite sick. And I know that that having her there was very special to Jerry to be able to, to do that film with her and to have that moment with her. And uh, an uncredited Peter Falk, who we all know as Columbo, and another thing. And kind of any Columbo type uh, character. Yeah. And, you know, again, like this stuff that he comes up with is so funny by being so 
disconnected to anything, but it's such a slow scene, you know. It's 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 Peter Falk kind of riffing on the story of this of this uh, glass slipper, you know, and it's it's all very funny stuff on its own, but when strung together with you know slow musical number, slow scene in the the uh, developing the film, another slow scene in the park, followed by a slow another slow musical number, you know. But I love all this stuff about you and your brother, Lord Bernie. And of course, anytime you hear Bernie mentioned in a Muppet production, it's a reference to Bernie Brillstein, Jim's manager. It was a it was a name they went to frequently for comp comedic purposes. Everybody in the Muppet universe is named Bernie, <laughs> or anybody who anybody of insignificance is usually named Bernie. Yeah, Bernie in it. Yeah, they they use Bernie as a name fairly regularly. Piggy, particularly, anytime Piggy had to talk to an agent, it's it's always Bernie. Yes. Yeah. Was it enough? Family Christmas was it Bernie as well? I think there's a Bernie somewhere in there. There's a Jerome, which is the Jerome is the is the driver is the limo it's driver. The Jerome got limo the limo stuck in the car wash, and I think that's a that's specifically a reference to Jerry Jewell. Actually, is Jerome. Um, maybe. Um, I feel like there is a Bernie mentioned in Muppet Christmas, a Muppet Family Christmas, but I can't remember where. Uh, but I know Bernie, the agent, is, Bernie's the agent in the first Muppet movie. Dom DeLuise plays Bernie. And I think later on, Miss Piggy refers to, a, calls, is talking to her agents. Yeah, Bernie, what do you got? Yep, yep. God, just look how just how well Piggy is dressed in this film, and this is now on her like third hairstyle, and this is so like nineteen thirties, you know, like so Casablanca here. Yeah, the Wranglers must have had a great time with that. I mean, to keep her in. She just looks fantastic. The costume design on this film, particularly the costume design on Piggy. So here's a question for you. Sure. So between the the three scenes that we've seen her in now, with the three major different costume changes, are they three different builds, or are they the same build and just? Well, this will be a different. This will be a different build because this is a different hairstyle. I'm. I mean, they when they were doing a film, they built so many piggy puppets. Uh, Most likely, they're three different builds, but you can also change costumes relatively easy on a character. This is definitely a different puppet because it's a it's a different hairstyle. This is fan. This this is probably my one of my favorite Jim and Frank scenes ever. Look at this this the fight that you're about to see. Just I'm gonna shut up and you just enjoy this because this is this is Jim and Frank at their best. This is, this is, look at this. He yells at the camera. And you, and you, you know, you watch this and you wonder how much of that is scripted and how much of that is just Jim and Frank. And I'm sure a lot of it is just Jim and Frank being as good as they are. And then to, to turn it around and to play this, 
to to play this wonderful scene. Frank's fantastic here. Frank is fantastic here. Jim's very good too, but but Frank really just plays just switches and plays these emotions so well. I mean, just despite Kermit's joke there, which is very funny, Frank playing those emotions is he he really does play five hundred different emotions and he does play every yeah. one of them right. So is this where I ruin the film and talk to people? This is I'm going to tell. I'm going to warn. My mother once asked me about this scene. She said, "How did they do this?" And I I warned her. I said, "I can tell you how to do the how they did this, but I can't." untell you how they did this so i can i can ruin i can ruin the magic here or you can spend the rest of your life living in wonder and she she agreed to she asked me not to tell her she would rather live her life with the magic um having said that what do you think should i should i ruin this should we talk about this there's a lot of stuff going on here there's there's a lot going on um And I'm kind of on that cusp myself because I I, I, <laughs> I I know how they did some of this myself, and I'm also one to never to ruin the magic so much. Um, maybe we it's could, out we could, there. We, you... we we could do it this way because <laughs> I, and I keep promising people that you know if, if they join the the Patreon group, we're going to start putting. Um, some po- oh, special wanna, podcast on there. You want to do a special Patreon thing where I ruin people's childhoods? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and they, 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 you know, it's part of the subscription. That's that award or uh, cameo. Yep. Pay us money or Matt Leonard will ruin your childhood. <laughs> Help keep the show going. And we'll, you know, ruin your dreams and hopes. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm fine to that. So. Donate to the Patreon, and and maybe maybe I'll come back and we'll talk about this scene and how this scene is done, and I'll ruin Matt's childhood for him. But there's there's some it's it's really when you stop and you think about it, most of it you can kind of figure out on your own. Uh, and I mean, a lot of it is is out there. You can find out you can find it pretty now in the age of Google. If you Google how they do the Muppets bicycles, you'll find somebody talking about it. Jim. T- Jim actually openly talked about how they did it in uh, in one of the specials. And this is great, just all the characters. I love this. All yeah. the characters on bicycles. It's not just enough to do Kermit and Piggy. Just put and they and they look so good on bicycles. Look at this. This is great. Like I, I, I said, do the have to say I I feel bad for Brian. Um, it was a Brian Henson. You can see okay, Brian. There he, oh, there he is in the green yeah. shirt. That's Brian Henson. Wow. I've never seen him. Wow. I never realized he was that close to the camera. But yeah, Brian Henson is there making the whole thing work. That's just such a, a fantastic number. And now we start to get a bit more into the, we get back a bit more into the meat and bones of the, the storyline. Here we go. Don't chew gum. Really, and, and this is nice because now you really do see her in command and uh, Diana Riggs' character really kind of in command and and 
Well, and, and you know, credit to Diane Rigg with everything that you know, the type of characters that she plays. She's not known so much for her comedic acting. Right, right. And this is, I think, this is still pre like Airplane, where they kind of discovered if we get straight actors and put them in a comedic role, we, we can actually do something with that. Yeah. Sometimes it's funnier to watch, you know, I sometimes prefer watching, uh, you know, like I'll use Ghostbusters as an example, you know, like Harold Ramis is so funny because he's not trying to be funny, you know, or, yeah. you know, people, people who I don't think of necessarily as comedic actors are sometimes better at doing comedy than, uh, you know, somebody like Mike Myers or, or Ricky Gervais or, or people who are aware of the fact that they're doing comedy. For, in case everyone's like, Diane Rigg, did she sound familiar? Yes, you know her from the Avengers, the British uh, British series spy show, Not uh, Game of Thrones, uh, of Her what Majesty's in, Secret Service. Was she in Game of Thrones? Yes. Really? See, I never watched Game of Thrones. That's how square Lady I am. Tyrell. She was in it for quite a while. Quite a while. And again, these these ugly ties and the the, the this colored flower. Matching handkerchief that they give to Charles. And I'm Brooks. sure the socks match too. And the socks match too. <laughs> this whole exchange about the knows I can see how that can make you sick to your stomach. <laughs> this is great. Oh. I know, I know. Oh. The way he just plays up this character. Yeah, he's he's good. He's good. Like I said, he's he's given a bit of a comedic performance. He's going a little large, but that's okay because he's not. Well, because he's not ever really in the scene with the Muppets. Uh, it's okay for him to go a little bit larger, you know. But it, when you have an actor who's really overpowering the characters, you know, you you really want to watch something. And I think we've talked about this in the past, Statler and Waldorf again. Um, you know, I think we talked about this when we did the Muppet show, where we talked about the Muppet movie a couple of years ago. You know, watch the scene with like Steve Martin uh, in in the Muppet movie where he's the waiter. And you know, Steve Martin is known; he is a big comedic actor, and he. But but watch how far Steve Martin is really pulling back there to not overpower Jim and Frank too much. And you yeah. have Jim and Frank also pulling back so that Steve Martin can get the... It, it's a very... It's it's three men at the top of their game all being very respectful of each other and who should have the focus and who should have the laugh and how do you get the biggest laugh out of that scene. It's one of my favorite scenes to watch in any of the Muppet movies. It's, it's a brilliantly uh, written scene and it's a fantastically performed scene. You know, Steve and Jim and Frank are fantastic in that. Just sent you a picture of her from yes. uh, Game of Thrones. <laughs> All this stuff is very clearly directed at Miss Piggy. And look at Piggy's costume. Again, you know, Piggy's costume here, not too flashy. She's just the assistant. And that, that hair, just messed up hair. Very, yeah, yeah, very yeah. typical. <laughs> she drops the model. <laughs> Gonzo it's... with the photographers. Waldorf, here come the bikinis. It is. <laughs> we better synchronize our... Synchronize our pacemakers. 
Oh, this is great. Oh. <laughs> 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 this is the disgust on her rig's face. And this disgust with this, this look of shock, and even Gonzo here. I love this, this little putting Gonzo in this scene. And you, you know, I kind of, I always sort of wonder this moment here, how much of this is just in Piggy's head? You know, how much of this is just her, the people standing, jumping to their feet and applauding? You know, this is really how Piggy sees the world at this point. This is, yeah. Because they don't really cut back and pull back for you to. But this is great. This is great. All oh, of this, this, this big Esther Williams fantasy here. Big musical water number. Uh, and now this is a thing. Oh my gosh, this there's a lot going on here. They went through tons of they there's because water and puppet heads do not go very well. Um, nope. Piggy is, as we talked about a few weeks ago with Rick Lyon, Piggy's head is flocked. There's a special process for that. They went through so many tests to try and get a Piggy head that wouldn't crumble. And I think it's something like 85 different, because the, the, the chemicals on the water were so bad here that it would just, you'd have a couple minutes to film at best before Piggy just, just deteriorated. And I don't remember what the final number is, but it was a, it's a ridiculous number of heads that they went through to do this. And you've got Frank. Uh, Frank ended up with an ear infection, actually, because of this scene filming underwater. If you for, notice her mouth is pretty much so far has always just been in that one same pose. Uh, just yeah. open. All of this is so funny. This really, is the first really time funny. her mouth has moved in this scene. <laughs> Frank, poor Frank, is underwater, and he's... They can't give him a scuba tank, because then the bubbles would interfere with the shot. So he's actually, like, he's got a small air tank, a tube that he can breathe. They pull the tube out, he holds his breath, they yell, action, they film the bit, they put the tube back in Frank's mouth, and he can breathe again when this the scene is over. So this is a lot going on. And then Frank got an ear infection, uh, too, for this wonderful scene. And that's got to be filmed backwards. Right. If you actually watch, you can see the the you can see the 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 wave. The water isn't running properly. Um, and then this is actually a stunt double in a piggy costume here. And of course, this is not Charles Grodin singing. Actually, ToughPigs.com just did a whole thing where they they went searching for uh, they found. Who is the singing voice here? Because he's not credited. Uh, and I'm going to see if I can find... Find that it was recently that they did this. There, actually, there's, that's actually the stunt double. Um, I was going to say, that, yeah. Before it was a puppet, this is... That's a stunt double. And she goes in and, oh, see, now because everybody's calm there. And they're shocked when she falls into the thing. So. Let me see if I can find their. 
he slips that in. Declan's joke is still on it. It was recently they they did this, the way they discovered. Here we go. Who dubbed Nikki Holiday's song? And we're about to we're about to get to Piggy's famous line here. And Piggy realizes that. <laughs> Here we go. Can't <laughs> sing. Your voice is dubbed. Uh, Which, incidentally, was uh, opera singer Stuart Kale was what they discovered. To- Tough Pigs uncovered that uh, not too long ago, and they wrote a whole article about it on May twenty fourth. Uh, so you can read you can read about that if you head over to toughpigs.com. Yes. And uh, a little shout out to our friends over there because they they write they have all sorts of wonderful Muppet articles and anything you could ever begin to wonder about Muppets they've covered it <laughs> they they've, they've actually uncovered a couple of uh, Muppet mysteries over the years that normal people wouldn't care about but Muppet fans have always wondered about Gonzo's <laughs> underneath this happens to be under table photographic essay on kneecaps this is a great scene. I mean, this is just, again, this is just all of the characters look, together. Look I love these shots where you have all the characters together. And, and you have all this nonsense and insanity taking place. Gonzo's head almost is 180 degrees turned around. Yeah. And yeah, I, I love it. Where the, 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 all crayon. <laughs> Janice. <laughs> Uh, but you have all sorts of chaos, and then Kermit sort of calling for everybody to quiet. And <laughs> what color are their hands now? Beauregard, I love Beauregard. So I'll tell a quick story here because we had the thing there with Janice, and the I, I was years ago. I was having uh, I was working for a theater company, and we had gone out to lunch, and we started talking about Muppets and Muppet movies, and the character of Janice came up. And we, one of the girls, uh, maybe 19, 20 at the time, and she was, oh my gosh, I love that character because she has this thing. And she quoted the line where, uh, the line here, where she says, look, mother, uh, it's my life, okay, so if I went around to the beach and walk around naked. Uh, and we all kind of laughed at that. And she goes, oh, and she does that in the Muppets Take Manhattan, too. What is it she says? And, and in the moment, uh, neither she or I could remember the line. And the conversation went on a little bit. And in the middle of this diner in Chester, New Jersey, she suddenly remembered, and she, you know how you, you get a little loud when you get excited? She got excited, and she very loudly announced in the middle of this diner, look, buddy, I don't take my clothes off for anybody, even if it is artistic. <laughs> yes. And the yes, other six yes, actors all sitting around the table, but this girl all just sank in it under the table. <laughs> We're not with her. We got nothing. None of us have asked her to remove her clothes. We have a disclaimer. Oh, oh it's times like this I'm proud to be American. This is a. I know Floyd's got a great line in there too. He goes, "It'd be a lot of fun to go out there and risk our lives." Oh, and Fozzie. Yeah, yeah, again, Frank's so great in this role with Fozzie. You know, 
so heartfelt and so earnest. I love Fozzie, one of my favorite characters. Ah, and we go back to the gang here. And the legs. I always, I always want to freeze frame this and see if I can figure out whose legs are whose. And the light bulb. And again, we have another. This is another scene where it's so funny on its own, but it's just another. At least you had the the scene with all the characters there to break it up. But this scene coming up with Piggy and and Kermit, as the uh, with Kermit as the as the lawyer, uh, you know, really, really, it's it's funny, but it's also kind of slow at the same time. With the mustache. With the fake mustache. And prison warning. (laughs) Rosenthal. Rosenthal. <laughs> this is not the time for that kind of humor. Uh, this is just a great exchange. <sighs> the head turns. They, look, they look to turn as if nobody's listening, and they got the guard standing right there. Guards, <laughs> rattles off the news the different ways to call the it's it's prison talk it gives you an idea of exactly how layered this character is you know the, this wonderful layered performance that Frank developed the, or layered character that Frank developed over the course of by this point five years four and a half years She's <laughs> her lawyer. There's no explanation for this whatsoever. You're wearing my mustache. <laughs> God. The take to the camera. You got mish marks on your face. <laughs> oh. And if we look, it actually it says on the door, "Irresponsible parasite," as uh, Diana Rigg mentioned earlier in the film. Yeah. As his title. As his title. This is another one of my favorite scenes where they're all just standing around and these four are so highly organized and we come into this with high tech equipment. Right. And then we cut to these idiots. (laughs) in it. This is fantastic. I love that there's an interaction coming up between Zoot and Zoot and Dr. Teeth and then Fozzie and then Janice's reaction to it, um, which is so funny. And this again, that one of my the, favorite bits is is the them coming up with the lust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Piggy's about to. Pacing. Which one is it that you like? Here we go. 
This is great. Yeah, I don't have no other pants. The next thing on the list is yo-yo for sure. (laughs) (laughs) And that was one of those things that as a kid, you know, I didn't think much of it, but it it was until like high school. I'm like, my God, that's a great gag. Yeah. For it. And we'll eat it. Sorry. (laughs) Totally underprepared for what they're about to do. There go our heroes. And of course. And the light bulbs. (laughs) This is great. And then we get Piggy. Pacing. You know, but like we talked, I mean, there's so many gags that there's so many things that you don't even think about what goes into making it, you know, how do you do that? How do you, I mean, obviously those aren't steel pipes, yeah. but that's an amazing effect that you don't stop and think about, you know, because just that's how believable the characters are at this point. They just, you just sell the characters. And and that's one of the reasons why I love this movie. As I've said several times, you know, just the little things that you do. Gonzo developing the film and Kermit putting his pants on and Piggy bending the bars. It's just all these little, little things. Now the cars have windshields. <laughs> and proper Bruce plates. Mallory Gallery. Well, they're now in Britain. Or they're now in England. It always hooked perfectly the first time. <laughs> always in these movies. Her Majesty's Prison. And then I love this on the side of the... If you read the side of the uh, the buses as it goes by, the van as it goes by, Big House Laundry. BHL. <laughs> One Star Street. <laughs> it was a lost opportunity. They should have brought that back into Most Wanted. <laughs> One, you know, one start street. That's not a joke. You're gonna unless you're watching this movie for the first time with us. And the sign here says Mallory Gallery. Don't try it. You'll be torn to shreds. <laughs> you know, all of these little things in this film. I love this. And then they're they're disguises. Yeah, they're disguises are Groucho Marx glasses. <laughs> this is great. This is all fantastic comedy. I have a glass. <laughs> I have one of the glasses of this from McDonald's. And they're all oh, oh yeah 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 the the old uh, the, the all lined with lead yeah <laughs> the McDonald's glasses I have one somebody gave I had them all as a kid uh, so I'm sure I've got lead poisoning which explains a lot um, and then somebody gave me one picked one up at like a tag sale and gave it to me so I've got I remember which one I have I think I have them all on bicycles somewhere I, around I have the one of Miss Piggy jumping through the window here's the paper towels. Hot mustard. I think is the I think the the one with Piggy on the motorcycle. I think that's also got the Muppet bus on it, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, see, I gotta track that one down because that that was I had I had that as a kid and I loved that that glass. I loved that glass because it was like one of the few Muppet products that actually had pops on it, and you never find there's so little Muppet merchandise with pops. And Pops was one of my favorite characters. It still is one of my favorite characters. I think Lips might be on that too. Oh, and here's the great Peter Ustinov, who was actually a guest on The Muppet Show. The I think he was a first season. Yeah, he was a first season guest on The Muppet Show. And, of course, you, one of our favorite movies that you and I have talked about hundreds of times. You know which one? That Ustinov is in? Peter Ustinov is in one of our favorite movies together. 
or is one of is in one of our favorite movies. It's one you and I have talked about hundreds of times. I think we've even talked about it on this show. I'm sure we have. I'm just drawing a blank at the moment. Oh, you're disappointing me. Disney's Disney's Robin Hood. He's the voice of Prince John. That's right. Oh, yeah. Oscar. Oh, and there's a cameo from Carol Spinello. Very. What are you doing here? Very brief cameo. Me too. <laughs> That's right. I forgot he's he's in yeah there. yeah he's he's Prince John. And I mean and uh, I mean brilliant actor Peter Ustinov is fantastic. Why does this remind me of Wallace and Gromit? The wrong trousers. Well, it's a heist movie. Yeah. Mallory Gallery still, still very, very far. far. <laughs> I love the signs in this. Uh, Ham hawk. And a, <laughs> and a very brief ca- vo- uh, audio, cameo, uh, audio cameo here, of course, by the great Jerry Nelson, who, uh, in addition... Say, that's got to be Jerry. That's Jerry, and who we saw earlier in the park with his daughter, Christine. Floyd Pepper, Lou Zealand, Pops. Oh, God, this stuff here with the, the Pizza Twins. But then, of course, uh, did the announcer the announcer for Pigs in Space and Veterinarians Hospital as well. Did all the Muppets announcing because he had that great voice. <laughs> I love this stuff here with the Pizza Twin. What's the name? What's the name? What's your name? Again, that sort of mentalist logic of, you know, pick a number between one and three. That's the name on the slip. Yeah. I, I like Fozzie's reaction here. I'll eat it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what is absolutely what has to be the absolute worst security guard as he comes here, he opens the door for this pizza that nobody ordered, and then he just lets them all walk right past. That slip. That's actually not the slip. As all the Muppets go by, and somebody's there carrying Swedish Chef, I think, or. Swedish chef's carrying the Union Jack. There goes lips, Dr. Teeth, animal. (laughs) I never noticed the flag before. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but But you're ever watching a Muppet movie, pay attention to the signage because they always do something great on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that scene where they're they're outside the, uh, I mean, like, that's one of my favorite scenes. I I can do that scene from memory. And we'll do that scene from memory. I, it's such fun. All the stuff about, you know, Rolf, hand me the blowtorch. Who said anything about a blowtorch? I've got the paper towels. How are we going to cut the bars if... Nope, there's the socks. the socks. <laughs> Maybe we'll just ring the doorbell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and now this is a fantastic... We talked about this with Mike Quinn, but we'll talk yes. about it again. This is the moment that, that uh, Dave Gulls always thought, well, I'm going to die. Which is them climbing the roof up here is them climbing the roof, and this is all done. This is a fake wall that's built. There's a there's like a stack, and they're all the Muppet performers are all like piled on top of each other with like boards in between, and this Jack is lifting them up into the air. And if anything goes wrong, they could literally be their arms are all on the their all of their arms are on the other side of the the beam there but if anything goes wrong with that effect they could have all been crushed and uh dave was dave was particularly nervous about doing that one 
Mike, by con- as we talked to Mike Quinn, he had uh, he wasn't worried about it at all. But uh, there's a, a Dave talks about it in a, a documentary called Muppet Guys Talking, and he said it was rather hair raising. <sighs> just by chance, super wheels, super wheels stunt. stunt. And I love this piggy's reaction here. It's classic Frank Oz that you know, an unbelievable coincidence. <laughs> and they have a light bulb that will open any lock <laughs> control room <laughs> you notice that obviously this is a stunt beaker That's, here this is, yep. which is why the uh, the hair is it looks a little weird on beaky there Because there were stunt beakers that were beakers whose heads would inflate, beakers whose noses would explode, beakers whose eyes would light up. Frequently build separate. It wasn't unusual to build a couple dozen beaker puppets for whatever they were doing. Yeah, uh, like the ones that the, the head dropped down. Yeah, yeah. That was a, I always thought that was a, a good effect. again i just love these group shots Mm -hmm. and there's so many there's so many like just great group shots in this film the fabulous baseball diamond and that's about to pay off as a i mean it's a great gag for a a diamond to begin (laughs) with now we're about to pay that off with and then yeah the baseball glove i said get down there i suggest we jump that's gotta be a hundred feet. I didn't say it was a good idea. <laughs> that's that's a line that I use pretty. I didn't say that was a good suggestion. Is a line that I use fairly anytime I suggest something. When you and I used to work together, I would say that for you. I think both of us would use that frequently. But I know that I yeah. will frequently use the the line. I didn't say it was a good suggestion, or I didn't say it was a good idea. We'll have to catch those these red-handed. What? Okay, <laughs> here's the paper, paper towels. towels. An animal's already halfway down. You got the stunt, the uh, full body piggy. Yeah, stunt driver in a piggy mask. You know this, and this is great lowering the characters down. Doing the chain. Oh, I love this movie. This is such a great. I mean, look at this. This is a great scooter. Dang, scooter's got his legs out. He's gonna go next. You got the full. At least two more miles. At least two more miles. And there's this sort of wall of Muppets here. I love this. no one notices. And nobody, and you know, Dr. Teeth up at the top there. Piggy outruns the, uh, the, the police. And there are the characters. And I just love, I mean, like, look at the way Beaker's like hugging the. He's like clamped onto it for dear life. Everyone else is just sitting there. She grabs that, and Fozzie. The light slowly <laughs> unilluminates. <laughs> Fozzie just kind of creeping into the shot is wonderful, and the characters all <laughs> drop out. Ah! They grab Charles Grodin. They start talking, and then this is just fantastic. I mean, look at this. This is fantastic. Animal catches it, and now watch what's going on here with the puppets. It's, we're, they're smart. They're using all their live hands. Lou's catching it. Yep. You know, they're using all your live hand characters, Dr. Teeth, 
Now we throw oh, sorry, it, boom, Dr. over to Fozzie. Dr. Teeth was live hands. Yeah. And you give the impression that, you know, they're playing baseball, but it's just all very carefully. You bring in the sports commentator who, again, There's made Lewis before the before in the Happiness Hotel. Only time you'll see Louis Gazagger in any of the Muppet movies. Actually, he appears in a couple of things. So he's really got like a featured featured part. His pops in the windup. You'll never see any of the Rod puppet characters catch it. It's all these live hand guys, but it's still, you know, anything that sells the illusion that these characters are <laughs> scooter selling popcorn. <laughs> yeah, scooter selling popcorn. Which, of course, Scooter does in all of the classic Muppet movies. Bo is wrestling with uh, Charles Grodin. Animals chasing the women. Lou's <laughs> got the fish bat. I wonder if they, it's where they got the idea from uh, Alf for Bouya Baseball. I, I don't <laughs> The broadside of a barn. Picture of the pitcher. That's a great line. There we go. And the rats... Wind up. <laughs> Let's pick look. He turns his head around. Uh, Kermit's gonna get it. We're winding down to the end of this film. Great reactions here from the characters. Fozzie hides behind the rat. Yeah, look. I actually like that moment. I've always liked that moment where Fozzie grabs Rizzo and, and pulls him back to protect him. That's. I think it's a nice little. It's a nice little thing there. Very protective of Fozzie. And uh, in through... And this is all... This is actually... Uh, that's There's a there's a thing in an old Muppet News Club letter where they talk about how that's done. This is actually... It's uh, sugar, sugar cane or it's sugar glass. It's, okay. So it breaks very, very easily. It's, I mean, stunt glass, you know. Yeah. Not not un, not unlike a, a glass bottle that you see when they break glass bottles in the movies. It's not a real glass bottle. It's sugar made to look like glass so that it breaks. A, it breaks easily and it breaks safely. Nobody gets hurt. <laughs> animal no animal sitting with his choice. Ah, ah. And then you, now he's got uh, a different gun. There you go. Great shot of the characters here. And I like this. I like the. I actually like this little exchange between. I like Piggy's. Piggy's got a great line here coming up that I love. Uh, I, this little moment here between uh, between her and Charles Grodin. Very sweet. But she's got a great line that I love. With the world on a silver platter turned to iron bars. But really, this. Somewhere along the between wrong and right. You're wrong. You're wrong. And he's right. You know, I, I love that. Uh, it's, it's a nice little, nice little line. Twins and pig foil heist. And there's Sattler and Waldorf again. Closing out the movie with a little heckle. While they're in first class. Instead well, they're back. They the Muppets all right where we start them. And this is another one that I love this. Oh, I'll tell you, when I remember, I was a kid and I went to see this. And as I mentioned earlier, Pops was one of my favorite characters at the time. I, the first time I saw this, my mother will tell you this story too. The, uh, I was horrified. I was horrified at this part of the film. I was in tears. 
because he comes in and he says, oh, you know, you guys are, how far are we? We're about 500 feet. And he grabs, the first character he grabs is he grabs Pops and throws him out of the plane. And I was just horrified as a kid and was in tears at the end of the film because uh, Pops, I and mean, now, of course, now you see them and they've got, you see that they've got parachutes. Oh, they've got that, parachutes on. That was a horrifying moment for me as a kid. That was traumatizing because I loved Pops. Oh, and our hero is the Muppet performers, Jim Henson. Uh, this is just a great closing number, too. Frank Oz, Miss Piggy, Fozzie Bear, Animal Sam. Uh, and I remember going, I saw this movie so many times as a kid, so many times I saw this movie. I remember going to see, uh, I remember going to uh, the drive-in movie theater in uh, Suckasana, New Jersey, which is long gone. It was right on the, right on the circle there in Suckasana, New Jersey. Also starring Charles Grodin and Diana Rigg. I mentioned Jerry Nelson, Richard Hunt, whose names I didn't mention earlier, but they're... Here we got our listed cameos of John Cleese, Robert Mole, Robert Moore, Morley, Peter's Jack, uh, Peterson and, and Jack Ordner. Meyer, Louise Golden, Kathy Mullen, Mike Quinn, Brian Meal, Brian Henson, Robert Hunt. Uh, Mikey. Mike. Shout out to Mikey. Carol Spinney. Spinney. Uh, but I remember, I remember going to see this as a double feature at um, uh, the movie theaters, and it was this, and um, it was this, and uh, uh, what was the other one? And E.T. And I remember they did it so backwards. I had to sit through E.T., which is the most boring movie of all time. Uh, and before I could get to the Great Muppet Cape, but I remember just being like, <laughs> it was one of the. It was one of my favorite movies, but I had to like sit through one of my least favorite movies to get into it. And man, if you think this film is slow and has pacing issues, you've clearly never sat through E.T. Charlie oh. Wilcox. Oh, Charlie Wilcox. Yeah, Charlie Wilcox is uh, who I mentioned earlier. Lyle Conway, Tim Rose, Foz Fazakis, Larry Jameson. Oh. Amy well, Van fantastic. Gilder. Who, 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 Amy Van Gelder. Uh, earned the credit of Muppet Doctor because she was the one responsible for the uh, the piggy heads. A lot of the research on the piggy heads for the uh, the the musical number there. Uh, Joe Raposo. Beautiful music there from him. Some of, some of his best work too. Uh, yeah, like the bigger big band version of this, of the uh, songs that were slower before, but now you've, you've stepped them up. One of my favorite films. Thank you for sharing this with me, Matt, and watching oh, thank this you. with me. This is, uh, I love watching this film. My, my wife yeah, won't watch it with London. me because I talk. Here we go. And, of Elm course, Street. we close with Gonzo. Boom. I'll send you each a copy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I'm still waiting for my copy, Gonzo. Thank you very much. I uh, sent you 20 bucks. <laughs> Where is it? Yeah, but... Uh, so there, there it is, the uh, the Great Muppet Caper. Yeah, 40 years. If you're, if you're still listening to us, thank you for joining us. Yes, and thank, thank you, you for letting me watch. Thank you for watching uh, my favorite. It's been such a treat watching my favorite movie with my best friend. I love this. You, you've been waiting for this one for a while now. I have, I have. My, well, it's funny, is it? my wife won't watch this movie with me because I talk through it. <laughs> <laughs> We're starting to make a habit of that. She refuses to watch Muppet movies with me because I talk to them. I'm, 
I try to be conscientious of that when I watch the movies with the kids. Um, my daughter is now at that age where she's, if I, if I, she's seen these movies enough times that if I start talking and giving behind the scenes stuff, she, she finds it interesting. Uh, but I also tell her like, if I, if I get to be annoying, just tell me to stop, I'll stop talking about the movies. But, uh, uh. <laughs> and she goes, and she kind of goes, she goes, no, no, I love it. But you can just see it in her eyes. Like, Please stop. <laughs> I'm begging you. <laughs> Not again. Can we ever watch one movie without you talking through it? She'll she'll politely tell me that I, I no no, I love hearing you talk I love hearing you talk about stuff like this, but you can just sort of see the you can see it in her eyes, like just give me like five minutes of this film without you talking. But uh absolutely one of my favorite films. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. I enjoy these. They need to start making more Muppet movies because we're starting. We got through a good chunk of them already now. You know what I and I know, I know Disney won't do this. I, I and I get a little frustrated that Disney won't do this. I know you want to sort of maintain the illusion, but really they need to do the Great Muppet Caper. They need to release these movies and let Frank Oz and Dave Goles uh, and whoever else do commentary on these things. I don't know if Frank ever would. Uh, I don't think it's really in his nature, but he's he, as he gets older, he's starting to open up a little bit more and talk about stuff. Um, uh, but it, they, they really, I'd like them to put a bit more of a, a spotlight on the performers and let them talk about these these performances because uh, really, it's a, it's a bygone era, and uh, you know, I, I think it was finally it was Frank's um, current wife was finally the one who sat him down. And said, and God bless this woman. She's gotten, she, she sat him down at one point and said, you know, if you don't talk about it, nobody else will. You know that he, she made him really. He was one of the last standing guys to talk about Jim, and to talk about to you know she, nobody else was going to know who Richard Hunt and Jerry Nelson and these other guys and Don Celine were, you know, going to be lost to history if Frank didn't start talking about them. So uh, it's a good thing. He's he's opened up a little bit over the years, over the course of the last 10 years. He's opened up a little bit. Um, but really, they need to they really need to get Dave and Frank particularly to sit down and, and talk about some of this stuff, because uh, it's amazing. It's really yeah, well, amazing. We're trying to do our parts. You know, we've had Matt Vogel, Mike Quinn. Yep. yep. Uh, and I, well, I, you know, anytime anytime you've had me in, I, I've told you my my goal uh, I wasn't particularly good about it today, but my goal anytime I'm on with you is to talk about, uh, you know, talk about Richard Hunt, talk about Jerry Nelson, talk about Jerry Jewell, talk about these guys, because, you know, they really, uh, the, the work they did was uh, was unparalleled. It was amazing. It was beautiful. And they were all part of, you know, Jim, Jim was a creative genius. Don't get me wrong there. Uh, Jim, there's a lot written about Jim and it's all deserved. Um, but Jim's real talent was his eye for finding people and to re surround himself with people and surround himself with people who would do the kind of work that he wanted to, you know, who could sort of carry out his vision. And, uh, you know, Frank is one of those. Dave is one of those. Jerry Jewell is really and truly one of those who doesn't get enough credit um, because yeah. his sense, his sense of humor and his sensibilities were so finely tuned to, to Jim's, um, you know, so he needs a lot of credit. 
uh, Don Celine, Bonnie Erickson, the whole Muppet workshop. You know, I'm now starting to see we're now reaching a point where I'm I'm seeing interviews and stuff where people are talking about the individual puppets and the characters and they they're crediting who built the original, uh, you know, Calista Hendrickson, who we we lost last year, uh, uh, Raleigh Cruson, uh, who built, you know, like Red Fraggle. Uh, and a number of other characters you know these these are actually you don't think about it but these people are really important to the, the pop culture these these iconic characters that we devour and love and and enjoy you know it's it's not just Jim Henson making it happen it was it was Jim and his team of performers and his team of puppet builders and his team of puppet designers and his team of costume designers and, you know, a team of writers and creative people who, who really made all of this work. It is not just one man. And again, I say there's a lot written about Jim that is certainly earned. Uh, he was amazing and he was a genius in his own right. But, you know, he was, he was a big cog uh, who did his work because he surrounded himself with the right little cogs around him. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I, I, think, I draw the similarity to Walt Disney. I think, okay, Walt Disney gets credit for right. Snow White, the theme parks, and, but it's, that might have been Walt's vision, but it was all the people that Walt, It's Ollie Johnston, it's Frank Thomas, it's Ub Uwerks, it's all of the, uh... uh it's the, yeah. It's, the Imagineering people, it's all of the, the storyboard artists and, you know, story artists and animators who worked around him. Uh, he took under his wing and he saw the potential that they had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And nurtured it in a way to be able to, you know, for them as a, a collective to create these legacy pieces and things that we all now enjoy 20, 30, 40, 50, 90 years later. 90 years later. I'm trying to think, when was, Snow White was 1939? Seven? No, you're, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry, 1937, right. Well, I remember it turning 50 when I was in third grade, so that would be 1937. Mm -hmm. um, so we're now... What night? Yeah, yeah, it's coming up on coming up on it's eighty some odd years. Wow, eighty four years. Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I mean, well, it just my point. Mickey himself is over ninety now. Wow. Yeah, nineteen twenty nine. Twenty eight. Twenty eight. Wow. So we are fastly approaching. Mickey's centennial Mickey's birthday. Hundred. Oh my gosh. I'm. You know. I'm. Uh, I'm not a huge. Uh, uh, as you and I have discussed, I'm not a. I, I enjoy Disney. I'm not a big Disney person, but I, I got to admit, even I'm looking forward to Mickey turning a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, I also remember Mickey's fiftieth. So if yep. Mickey turns a hundred, hold up. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's, wait a minute. This I was is on cult. another show. I was on another show. We're talking about the theme parks, and we're talking about Walt Disney's uh, Walt Disney World's 50th anniversary coming up. And I go, yes, I can honestly say I've been to Walt Disney World every decade it's been open. <laughs> <laughs> God, I remember. Yeah, I remember Disney World celebrating its. I was down there for one of. I was down there one of the years that they had an anniversary. I want to say, what year did? What year did Disney World open? 
71. 71? I was down there. I might have been down there for 10. I was I was almost I was down there for the 15th. I was definitely down there for the 15th. Might have been um, there for the 15th. I know I was there for the 20th. I was definitely down there for the 25th. Yeah, I was definitely there for the 15th. And somebody that I was with, like one of my sisters won us something at the because it, it was like one of those you'd walk in and they'd take your ticket and they'd be like, oh, you won a bag of popcorn or something. I can't remember what my sister but one of my sisters won us something. Yeah, I, yeah, I remember that. I remember that exactly because I my, always won for my dad. One of those, um, I won one of those uh, visors that had the lights on the front. For whatever reason, <laughs> I thought it was the coolest thing, and I always wanted that. And someone cut cut me in line. No. And they won something. Oh, <laughs> I was so aggravated. But even my mother, who just lets everything roll, she got aggravated at that that this this woman cut me in in line no. into the park and she ended up winning something oh no yes oh wow <laughs> that's how old were you i'm your age so, you know. yeah but how well i don't know i mean for all i know this happened to you last year um. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not last year i wasn't didn't travel anywhere last year no when when well i mean well, no, was, it's, uh, what you, what like, was that, the 20th or the 15th anniversary that they did that? So you would have been either like 8 or 13, something like that. Yeah. Wow. I'd, I'd say probably, it was probably the 15th then. Because okay. I, I remember being on the younger end. Oh, man. That's rough. <laughs> oh, that's rough. Oh. No. Yeah. Now I feel like I wanna I wanna like send you a light up visor now. <laughs> <laughs> Probably electrocuted half the people that were out. There you go. Well, yeah. But yeah, yeah. no, I, I, I remember I yeah, thinking back, remembering these um these anniversaries, the twenty fifth, my wife was working down there at that time. Right. So. I loved I love I love getting your wife on the story on the subject of, of that's what you need. You need to get your wife on here to tell some of her. Both of you need to tell some of your I worked at Disney because your wife's got some great <laughs> I worked at Disney. I love some of her stories. <laughs> her stories are better than mine. Yeah. Uh, She's got some good ones, though. Oh, absolutely. I've yeah. I've told I've told her the the the, the um, no, I've told who did I tell? I think I, I might have told my kids. I know I've told my wife the, the Chippendale and Jafar story because that's my favorite <laughs> thing ever. I won't. I won't tell it now because really, you need to get your wife on to tell the Chippendale and Jafar story. <laughs> I've been meaning to get her on. I've been meaning, That's, and we've been discussing some things. I love that story. We've I been love discussing that story. some things, and we'll we'll see what the future, near future, uh, holds. But on that bombshell. We'll save that for another day. Thank you again for that's, coming that's on. That's another one. That's another one for the Patreon. There you go. Yep. Get your wife. Get your wife to tell the Chippendale and Jafar story on the on the Patreon. And maybe if she's maybe if we if we really get her, we'll get her to tell the Michael J. Fox story, which is okay. I, I was just gonna say it should be the Michael J. Fox story. The Michael J. Fox story is okay, uh, but there are people in this world who do like Michael J. Fox, myself included. If you don't like Michael J. Fox, his wife's got a great Michael J. Fox story. If you do like Michael J. Fox, you don't want to hear this story. But the Chip and J Chippendale and Jafar is my, I love that story. That's so fantastic. That's one for the Patreon.
Yes, I will see how I can bribe her. All right. Tell her you'll buy her a light-up hat. (laughs) (laughs) She she probably would have won it herself. You know, I'm the I'm the Charlie Brown one. You know, oh, I won this. I I won tickets. I won a hat. I won a free popcorn. Where'd you get a rock? I got a rock. <laughs> I got a rock. Oh, alrighty, sir. All right. Well, thank you again for having me on, and thank you for enjoying my favorite movie with me. Always, always a pleasure. I've been looking forward to this. Me too. Thank you again to Matt Leonard for joining us this week talking about The Great Muppet Caper. What are some of your favorite moments from the great from that film? It's such a spectacular movie if you haven't figured out already how much both of us like that movie. Let us know on the social. Join us on social on Facebook. Our Facebook group is facebook.com slash group slash Disney Marvel's podcast. Instagram at Disney Marvel's Podcast, TikTok at Disney Marvel's Podcast, and on Twitter at Disney Marvel's. Also, find us on YouTube. Subscribe to our channel there where we do go live. We went live this past week. We're going live again this weekend. This weekend's topic will be The Bad Batch, Star Wars The Bad Batch. So check out some of those episodes and join us for a discussion on it on Saturday night at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So adjust your clocks accordingly. Find links all over at the different social media places or just look up Disney Marvel's podcast on YouTube. Also, feel free to join the show and have your voice be heard. Leave us a voice message through the Anchor app or anchor.fm website or record it on your, electronically on your smart device or computer and email it to us. Or any suggestions or questions that you may have, email DisneyMarvels at gmail.com. Don't forget to also check out the Disney Marvels blog at DisneyMarvels.blogspot.com. Link to all of these are in the show notes. I want to thank you for your time. I know how little time you have and the fact that you, ha- you spent some of this time means a lot really does mean a lot to me um it is it just it's what keeps me going knowing that we have this bond this connection which is why i'm doing the live show to try and connect with you with you all some more um instead of just being a one-way conversation trying to make it a two-way conversation and again thank you thank you so much for your time i really truly appreciate it um you know i i always ask Please go on and go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review, leave a rating on there. Um, it really helps get the show out, you know, get people to know about the show. Also, telling your friends, tell your friends, family, anyone else who know, likes Disney. If you see someone randomly at the grocery store, let them know too. Maybe a little strange, but hey, why not? 
it's a Disney community. We're we all connected in one way. We all have that thing in in common. Tell them to check out the Disney Marvels podcast. Keep this family growing and getting stronger. Thank you again for your time. Again, I I, I know I, it sounds repetitive, and I always say it, but I I really do always mean it. It does me good. Um, it warms my heart when I know that people out there are enjoying this show. I enjoy bringing it to you, and uh, in fact, again, that you're enjoying it. You use it to escape, to help you with your commute, listen to while you're out walking or running, doing chores around the house, whatever you do. You know, we get to spend some time together, and you know, in a time in a world where we're just starting to be able to get back to spending time together, um, again. I think it it just it's a little something special thank you so much Um, don't forget to subscribe to the show while you're at it this way you always know when new episodes are posted and also consider becoming a premium subscriber help the show out you can do this over at anchor.fm slash disneymarvel slash support or find our patreon page where you can get some cool stuff too and also we got our merchandise shop um, get some cool Disney Marvel stuff for around the house to wear. All this stuff. Links are in the show notes. Because remember, this show is brought to you by listeners like you. Whatever you're facing out there, troubles, hardship, difficulties may be weighing you down. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. You are special. You are important. You are meant to be you. Not somebody else. And you are not alone. You can overcome this. And if you need help, that's okay too. There's a light inside of you that needs to shine. Don't be afraid of it. It is beautiful. It is powerful. And it is meant for everyone to see. Because it is you. It is the true you. Let it be seen. Let it shine. Let it shine for everyone. Never give up. Never give in. Be your own hero. I'd like to end this show with a quote from Walt Disney himself. The motion picture has become one of the marvels of all time. A true wonder of the world in its magical powers. But what has what is brought to the screen for every man and his family is to see and ponder has been even more wonderful. Again, that's from Walt Disney. Thank you again for listening, everyone, and I'll see you next time. Gee, Mr. Tarkanian, when we thought identical twins working on a newspaper would make an interesting story. Yeah. Well, it doesn't. Especially since you two guys don't look anything alike. Uh, Well, that's because Fozzie's not wearing his hat. Uh, Fozzie, put your hat back on. Oh, yes, sir. See? Oh, yeah. I can see it now.